Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Quite often, when talking about women who are abused, people will say, why don't they just leave? But it's never that simple. On today's show, Nicole Thompson, a Coburg resident, will share her story of abuse. It is a story told with conviction and with brutal honesty, but more than anything, it is a story about courage. Nicole's account of her journey away from abuse is like so many others. Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Center is inviting the community to stand united with women like Nicole and her family. November is Women's Abuse Prevention Month, and its theme is Wrapped in Courage. Due to the pandemic, the campaign this year is virtual, but the message remains the same. Along with the Ontario Association of Interval and Transitional Houses, people living in Northumberland are being asked to show women they do not have to be alone when facing abuse, that there is help amongst colleagues at work, family, friends, and neighbours. Everyone knows someone who has faced one form of abuse or another, It comes in the form of violence, harassment, or control. And if you don't know what abuse looks like, then you really need to listen to Nicole on today's show. Here is my interview with Nicole Thompson and Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of Cornerstone, about Women Abuse Prevention Month. Online today, I have Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of the Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Center. With her is Nicole Thompson, a Coburg resident and someone who has used the services at Cornerstone. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. Nancy, this year's theme for Women Abuse Prevention Month is Wrapped in Courage. What's this all about? Um, So this has been a campaign that's been going since, I believe, 2013. Rob, it's a a provincial campaign led by the Ontario Association of Interval and Transition Houses. And the Wrapped in Courage is, you know, we sell the purple scarves. You've probably seen them. I know I've given you a purple tie or two, Rob, in the past. And this year we're also selling uh, mugs and blankets to keep you cozy and warm. And it really symbolizes the idea of, you know, uh, we wrap our purple scarves uh, to identify that, you know, it, it takes courage for a woman uh, to live through an abusive relationship. And it's our way of uh, demonstrating our support for women and children who have experienced violence across our county. Well then Nicole, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am a mother to two children. My son is 23, my daughter is 12. Um, I work um, as a developmental service worker in a group home for adults with developmental delays. Now, where are you from? I grew up in Toronto and slowly moved out this way through the years. 
lived up in Roseneath in the country for about 10 years. And last year, my daughter and I moved to Coburg and my son moved to Coburg with his girlfriend a few years ago. So how old are your children? 23. My daughter's 12 going on 47. Uh, I'd like to start at the beginning. Now, what was your life like before the abuse took place? Looking back, it seemed like there was always some type of abuse, some type of verbal abuse, rude comments, uh, nasty comments. Um, I would um, not say it was very frequent, but, you know, through the years, it became more and more. Um, so looking back, I don't think it was a healthy relationship really from the start. Tell us about your life even before you became involved with this individual. I was pretty independent. I had my son when I was 25, um, became a single mom when my son was 18 months old. But his father and I were very good friends through the years. Uh, we co-parented very well together. We were able to um, both take our son to hockey or any sport. He was in any and every sport, um, but we were able to do that together. Uh, we would uh, hang out with each other's families because eventually I got married and had my daughter and my son's dad got married and he had a new family and, and my family could go over to his house for a spaghetti dinner and um, work very well together, co-parenting. Um, I worked in the school board um, for many years, um, but my heart is in group homes, group home environments. How did the abuse begin? And you talked about it a little bit, but can you maybe tell us a bit more? There was little things. Um, you know, he started to not like some of my family members. So whenever I was going to be around my family, he would make comments or make, make my family members uncomfortable. So over time, I just stopped inviting them over or going to their houses because it just was an uncomfortable situation. Um, small things like what I would wear. He would complain if I um, wore something he didn't like and call me fat and ugly and tell me I looked old in it. And so at the time it seemed small, um, you know, but I would just wear things that wouldn't cause an argument. And I didn't think it was a big deal at the time, but looking back, I see that was sort of the start of it. And how did it escalate? My son became his target. So I would stick up for my son and that would cause issues between my ex-husband and I. So through the years, it became physical. Um, and it started from like a push or a shove or you know, hitting the TV remote out of my hand or hitting a water bottle out of my hand and eventually became quite aggressive and quite violent. 
I know there are different types and you've talked a little bit about the physical and mental abuse. Was there any emotional abuse and, and what other forms did you experience? There certainly was emotional abuse. Um, I had lost my father to cancer um, during our marriage and, you know, he would say things like my father wouldn't be proud of me or my dad would be embarrassed of me and that kind of thing. Um, that's just some of the examples. How serious did the abuse become and how did you respond to it at first? In 2016, I found out that he was cheating. So I had gone to a lawyer to talk about how we would go about separating. Um, 2016, he became very violent towards my son, going into his room and breaking items in my son's room, his TV, his Xbox, his Beats headphones. And I had to put a lock on my son's door. So uh, on my son's birthday, my ex began drinking and kicked down my son's door. The police were called, no charges were laid, but they did remove him from the home. My son and I talked the next day. Uh, he felt unsafe, obviously, and we decided together that it was in his best interest to stay with his girlfriend's family until I could get my ex-husband out. I had purchased the home. Financially, it was mine. Um, but because we were married, there was still some, uh, some things we had to go through, some processes through court. And so I had started that process to get my ex out and my son to come home eventually. About a month after that, uh, again, my ex had been drinking and we were discussing how we were going to separate and what that looked like. And he became quite violent. Um, it was a vicious attack. I had bruises and bite marks. I was bleeding vaginally. I had a bite mark on my back shoulder blade. I left the home in the middle of the night with my daughter and her puppy and went and stayed at a friend's house. Um, so the next day I went to the lawyer and we were trying to speed up the court process and my lawyer had made me an appointment to come to Cornerstone. So that was my first time coming to Cornerstone. And, and what was the result of that first meeting? What happened? I resented being at Cornerstone. I didn't want to be there. I didn't admit to myself that I was a victim of domestic abuse. And I certainly could not admit it to anybody else. So I left that meeting and went through the next few months doing everything on my own without support. And looking back, I realized I made it harder on myself, but not only that, I made it harder on my children. Not accepting the help was one of the worst things I did at that time. What was going through your mind when, when you were in that period and you were trying to justify your actions and, and trying to deal with that type of situation? I mean, there's probably a lot of people listening that 
might not quite understand just all the things that you go through at a time like that. Would, would you mind sharing a bit of, of what was going on? Yes, absolutely. I have two sisters and those women are the strongest women I know. And my oldest sister lost her battle with cancer when I was 20 and she left behind three children. I saw her fight for her life and she became one of my heroes. I also watched my other sister struggle with her son. He had leukemia twice in his life. So I had seen these very strong women fighting and in my mind, I thought what I was going through didn't compare because it really, to me, the big picture was, you know, my sister was fighting for her life and my other sister was fighting for her child's life. Nothing could be worse. So I sort of minimized what I was going through. So that didn't help me. Um, looking back, I feel like, you know, all the experiences we go through, it's, there's not one that's worse than another. Um, they all affect us differently. Um, so I didn't want to admit to them that my marriage was failing, you know, when they were going through something, you know, so hard themselves. Um, also, people my age, I'm 49, and I was raised to be seen and not heard. You know, you didn't tell people what was going on in your home. It just really was kept within the walls of your home. So I struggled with that. Um, I struggled with being an embarrassment to myself. I thought I was a failure. And I thought I was doing things wrong. Not to say that I was perfect. Um, and I'm sure I've made plenty of mistakes. But at the time, I blamed myself for things that really weren't in my control. What was it? Was it a particular moment or was it a gradual process that brought you to that moment where you realized you had to take some different steps and return to Cornerstone? It was in 2018. My ex-husband came to my home to pick up our daughter for his visit with her. And he physically assaulted me in front of our daughter in her bedroom. She witnessed it. She tried to help me. Um, she was grabbing his arms to get him to stop. She was pleading with him to leave. After the assault, I still didn't press charges. And it was a while later when my daughter and I were talking about what she had seen because she struggled with what had happened. And her and I were having a conversation about it. And she said to me, mommy, but we can't tell anybody, right? And it was that moment I can remember the exact day. I can remember the sun shining onto her face through the car window. I, it, time stood still for me. And I thought, what am I doing? I am teaching this little girl to keep silent and, and to keep it a secret. And, and that was wrong. That was wrong of me. And that was the moment that I realized I needed to change how I was 
dealing with it. And I realized my daughter was a victim. My son is a victim. I was a victim. And that moment changed everything. What role did Cornerstone play? I made my daughter and I both counseling appointments for Cornerstone. And it was so important because my daughter liked coming to speak to her counselor. And it was the first time that she opened up about how she was feeling and what she had seen. And at first I was just coming to role model it for my daughter. Um, but then I actually started enjoying coming and speaking to my counselor and speaking my truth. And one of the biggest turning points for me was I showed the counselor some of the text messages between my ex and I, and I said, look, this is how he talks to me. You know, we're separated, we're divorced now, but you know, this is what I said, this is what he said. And she put her hand on my knee and she said, why do you respond? And I said, well, I have to, it's the polite thing to do. And then I, as soon as I said that, I thought he's saying vicious things about me, untrue things about me, untrue things about my children. Why do I need to respond? And it was that moment with my counselor that made me realize, you know, this was bigger than me. And so I continued to come to Cornerstone for counseling. Did you use any of the other services that they provide? No, I was lucky enough I could stay with a friend for a few days. And then I rented an apartment in 2016 for six months while I fought in court to get my home back. I was lucky because I had some money in the bank that I could use, but a lot of women don't have that. We are, you know, most women don't have it and I was lucky. What role did family and friends play? At first, I really struggled telling my family and friends. And in 2018, when I was assaulted again, and I was still hiding it, you know, friends were picking up on certain things. And I was still making excuses until that day that, that I had the conversation with my daughter. And after that, I sat down with some really good friends and told them what had been going on. They supported me and my choices. They, you know, offered to watch my daughter, to come to court with me. Um, it made a big difference. Was there any one particular person or a group of people that uh, played a, a larger role than, than others? My ex-husband and his wife were our third party in 2016. Um, so I'm very thankful for them because they kept me safe during that time. Um, I then started a new job um, in 2016 and through the years, I had some fantastic coworkers who listened to me um, endlessly. Um, and then in 2019, I needed a third party again um, because he was charged with the assault um, because I eventually did go to the police um, and my third party and her family were amazing. Do you feel that you've received justice through the system? No, not really. Why? 
In 2016, I went to the police with bruises, bleeding, and a bite mark. Uh, the OPP arrested him and he was charged, uh, but the charges were later dropped because the OPP officer forgot to read him his rights. Um, in, after the assault in 2018, um, it did take me a while to go to the police because of that bad experience that I had. Um, but it was handled very professionally um, and he was charged and he was on probation. Um, there was a few times that he, in my opinion, was breaching his probation, but he just got some verbal warnings, which in my opinion, I don't think you should have second or third or fourth chances. What was the turning point for you after you started going to counseling at Cornerstone with the support of your friends and the charges and some of the legal things settling down? What was the turning point where you actually felt like your life was starting to take a different direction? I was asked to do a victim impact statement for the courts. So my daughter, because she had also been a witness, was asked if she wanted to do um, a statement as well. She declined, but she asked me to write a few things on her behalf. She asked me how he was going to hear it. So I said, well, the judge or the lawyer will give him a copy or read it. And my daughter asked me to read it in the court. Um, at the time, I didn't know how I was going to do that, but I agreed. And I eventually did read it out loud, um, looking him in the eye in the courtroom. And that made me feel stronger. That made me feel a little more empowered. Um, then when I was coming to Cornerstone, they had told me about the My Story campaign. And I said I would write something for it. And it did take me a while. But again, with my daughter's encouragement, I did write something. It sounds like your daughter played a, a really large role in all of this. She really did. Um, both my son and my daughter have, have always been there for me, encouraging me uh, to live life, to be happy. Um, my daughter is one of the strongest girls I've known. And my son has turned out to be strong and kind and thoughtful and a hard worker. They're my heroes. What legacy has this experience left on your life? I am terrified to become the person that I was a few years ago, allowing somebody to control me, control what I'm wearing, control what I spend my money on, control how I raise my family. I'll never be that person again. I want control of my life. I want to make choices that my children are proud of me for. I want to make a difference. I want to help women. It's not easy. It's 
terrifying to be in a situation where you're being hurt, but you're terrified to leave. So I want to help women and help their families. That was Nicole Thompson, a local victim of abuse, telling her story. When we come back, Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of Cornerstone, will share her insights and talk about what can be done to end violence against women. Please stay tuned to Consider This on Northumberland 89.7 FM, your truly local source for news. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome back. This is Consider This Northumberland and I'm your host, Robert Washburn, and you're listening to Northumberland 89.7 FM. Abuse of women is around us, but only if we are prepared to see it. It can be found in the unwanted comments or touching by a colleague at work. Or, what about a friend that is never able to join a group activity or never gets out on their own? Or the family member who glances for approval at a husband or partner before speaking or doing anything? In Coburg, the number of cases for domestic abuse is on the rise. So far this year, 26 people were arrested. That figure already surpasses the entire number for last year. Besides that, there were 119 calls to domestic disturbances as of this week. That is almost the same as the 121 calls received by police over the entire year in 2019. If the trend continues, domestic calls in Coburg could easily exceed that number by the end of the year. But that's just one municipality in Northumberland. Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of Cornerstone, will tell you, the pandemic is making things harder for those in abusive relationships. But taking those first steps, as we heard from Nicole earlier, is never easy. It takes courage. Here is the rest of my interview with Nancy Johnson and Nicole Thompson. Nancy, when you hear this story being told, what elements of it do you find most compelling and most representative of the overall experience of people coming to Cornerstone? Oh, so much of what Nicole shares um, just completely resonates with me. And, you know, I, I, I have to say, I, I've said thank you to Nicole before, but thank you. Um, you are helping people by thank telling you. your story and showing, you know, how, how you did get through that. And it, it's really important to share that because you know that people can feel really trapped and feel like there is no way out. And the things that you talk about, Nicole, some of the things are, you know, I, I think in abusive relationships, it usually starts very similar to what Nicole shared about it's this gradual thing that happens and it starts to creep in certain different directions, right? And it, it, it happens over time. It rarely, if ever, have I seen it that it happens all at once. Um, the levels of, of shame and blame that, you know, that kept uh, Nicole quiet and kept Nicole from you know, making different decisions because she doubted herself. Was this really that bad? You know, those, those sorts of uh, doubts I, I've heard from women certainly over the years. Uh, the response from, from police, the unfortunate response in her first reaching out attempt. And I'm glad that nothing worse happened, you know, because we know that oftentimes women go, go forward and it's not, taken seriously or they don't pursue the charges. 
So they get, you know, that can have really, really negative impacts. Um, so, so certainly the gradual things, the minimizing, so, so much of what Nicole shared just so resonates with me. And what I, what I, what I continue to feel compelled by in, in Nicole telling what has happened to her is it's like so many other women. It's not just a straightforward thing, right? How many times have I been asked, well, why don't women just leave, right? If I had a nickel for every time I was asked that, I would be a really wealthy woman. Because as you can see from Nicole's story, it's not that simple. It's really complicated. And, you know, you, you have your children involved. And you have other family members involved. And, um, you know, it, it's not a straightforward, uh, it's not a straightforward path. And I think that's so much of, you know, why we're here, why Cornerstone is here because women shouldn't have to endure this on their own. It's incredibly lonely. There's so much uncertainty. Um, and it's really hard to navigate some of these paths that you have to, that you have to navigate. Yeah. So I'm really glad, you know, um, Nicole found yeah. us and we could play a small part. And really it's all up to the courage of women and, you know, the courage of women, the Wrapped in Courage campaign, it just all comes together for me because it's what motivates us every day to come to work for sure. Now, I know over the last couple of years, uh, Cornerstone has worked hard to form relationships with the police. And part of Nicole's story reflected on the, the, some of the weaknesses in the history of this area between police and, and women who are abused. Do you think we've turned a corner in terms of the types of relationships and the ability to successfully charge and, and uh, prosecute uh, these, these things and that women are finding justice? I think we're getting better at it, Rob. Certainly the relationship that we have with corporate police services where we go in and we review every week all the domestic violence, all the sexual violence cases uh, is, is a testament to our local police services for sure. Um, and I really respect and admire that relationship that we've built that's built on trust, that's built on open communication. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's one uh, that should be replicated all over, that's for sure. Um, so that that's really helped, I think, our local women. And you know, it's it's turning a corner. It's it's gradual, but I see that some things change for sure. Now, in a press release, Nancy, you said, uh, "quote It takes the strength of an entire community to end violence against women." Because there continues to be violence against women, does this mean we lack strength as a community? I don't think so. I think, you know, uh, a line that I use often, and I can't use it enough because it's what I believe in sincerely, is it's a community issue that requires community solutions. It can't be all on Cornerstone to fix this problem. Uh, you know, it, it does take, it takes collaboration. It takes, as Nicole started to confide in her family and her friends, they became her network of support that helped make a difference for her. So again, if you know if you know somebody or you suspect somebody might be experiencing this, ask them. You don't have to have all the answers, but sometimes it's just asking. It's giving a woman permission to say, "Yeah, that's happening to me." And I think, as Nicole said, you know, we 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 many of us were raised in that don't tell. You know, it's family business. Stay out of everybody's family business, and it's not that. It does take the courage of, right, Nicole, asking those questions and acknowledging. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Nancy, can we uh, 
achieve a violence-free future, as you suggest? I hope so, Rob. I hope so. It's the aim for sure. If it's not completely violence-free, at least we might have less of it happening. That's always been the goal I've had in all my years, my decades of doing this work. I have to stay hopeful. And I am hopeful. I continue to be hopeful because there's stories like Nicole's, um, like the courage of her daughter and her son. And, you know, if we can make that little bit of difference, all those little bits of difference can make a big difference in the end. So we can't give up. What are the statistics like these days? I know the last time we spoke back in April, um, you were over capacity, and I know you have been over capacity at the, at the shelter for quite some time. Has there been any change? Well, it looks really different due to the pandemic, Rob. Um, because we can't have all of our beds filled, we're having to turn away more women. Um, uh, you know, we're still continuing to see less women reaching out uh, to for admissions to shelters and that's cross province because people are afraid of coming in and sharing space and getting COVID. Uh, what we are seeing is an uptick for sure in our community counseling. People you know now feeling like they can reach out for help at the beginning when we were all isolated at home living with an abuser that was a really challenging time and you know when the when the telephones went quiet we got worried because it's not that violence wasn't continuing to happen, it's that women were trapped. And have we seen any, any shift in that lately? Yeah, yeah, it has, Rob. Um, I was just on a provincial call this morning though, and I think the worry is with this second wave, the same thing might happen again. So yeah, but you know, as we continue to say, you know, reach out, there is help, there's different ways of, of getting a hold of us. Um, talk to a neighbor, talk to a trusted friend, talk to a family member, um, you know, don't, don't stay living in silence, right, Nicole? It's, it's, it's a lonely, it's a lonely and can be a very dangerous place. Yeah. And the other thing too, that I just wanted to add, sorry, uh, one key piece that Nicole shared and another thing that we talk about is women are most at danger at the point of separation, right? That's often when the threats escalate, when women are most at danger. So people, again, need to realize that when they're, you know, if you know somebody and you're talking to them and you're just encouraging them to leave, reach out to get help because there's safety planning involved. There's lots of considerations uh, at that point of separation because it's the most dangerous time. With the COVID, we've seen some of the recovery of the economy and we've seen some social recovery as well. But we know that also that there's been a, a great gap in how this recovery has taken place, that there are social and economic factors that are at play. And I also am aware that the fact that these also play a role in violence against women. How are these factors being amplified locally by the pandemic? Well, I, I think, you know, what, what we know, Rob, and I know you and I have talked about this, the lack of affordable housing is amplified, that's for sure. Um, you know, it would be really nice if we didn't have to bring uh, women into a congregate living setting to stay safe during a pandemic, uh, because there are some health risks. Certainly, we're doing everything we can. We have really strict protocols. Uh, but that would be nice to see, certainly issues of poverty, issues of hunger that we've talked about before, Rob, all those things are being amplified, um, as well as I think gender inequity, right? 
Uh, we know that violence is in increasing in the homes from what, from what we're hearing and what we've seen across the globe. Uh, there's higher acuity of violence, particularly sexual violence. So yeah, lots of, lots of those things, as you say, are just being amplified during this crisis. How are you and your staff doing? We're doing okay, thanks for asking. We're doing okay, you know what? We have a stellar group of people here and it's always at the height of a crisis when you look, kind of look around and go, what's, what's the health of our organization? And what is our culture here? And I'll tell you, Rob, when, when the pandemic hit and we had to switch things very, very quickly, uh, all of our direct service staff, many of them who've never, who haven't worked shift work, we redeployed everybody into the shelter and they all showed up. Uh, they all showed up and we have never closed our door. So, you know, these staff people didn't have the luxury of working from home. They came in and they showed up every day and we continue to, our doors are open. Uh, and yeah, they're a pretty amazing group of people. I'm very lucky. Nicole, if, if you were able to sit down with some of our listeners and, and maybe people who are finding themselves, as Nancy's described, in, in these terrible situations, and you could give them some advice as to what to do, what would you tell them? I would definitely tell them to make a plan. You, you need support. You need a plan, a safety plan. Um, there's so much to think about. I mean, financially, that's overwhelming just in itself. Um, if you have pets, you know, where are the pets going? You have to have a plan. You know, there are people like Cornerstone that are here to help. I would say tell a friend. Um, so often, even now, I'll bounce things off my good friend and it's helpful just to talk about it, just to get things out. And if somebody was like you and facing that fear and, and, and the other cultural things that prevented you from seeking help, if you could give them a couple of things that would help them push through that and take action, what would you say? If they have children, I think it's so important that you be a role model. Children, I mean, you can talk to children till you're blue in the face and really it doesn't matter. It's what you do, it's your actions. I know, so myself, I'm trying to be a strong woman and by being a strong woman, I'm asking for help. I, and my daughter will see that. And it's just so important. It's just so important to ask for help. What can, Nicole, what can the community do to help? I think it starts when a person that's going through domestic abuse starts, you know, the first person that they tell, that person has to be supportive. They don't have to uh, give advice. Just listen. Don't judge. And that's what I found about Cornerstone. And that was one of my biggest fears is that my family and friends were going to judge me. And when I started coming to Cornerstone for counseling and I could say, this happened and this is what I did, there was no judgment. No, they helped me to work on what I could do 
in the future to make things better for my family and myself. So I think as a community, less judgment. I don't know how many times people have said to me, like what Nancy said is why haven't, why didn't you leave earlier? Why did you stick with it? You know, and it is so complicated and you have to dissect one by one, the things you're going to do, where you're going to live, financial issues, what are you going to do with your pets? What's going to happen with the children? But I think it all comes down to having a plan. I mean, just somebody to listen to and bounce ideas off is huge. Nancy, I know you talk about what the community can do a lot of times. What's one or two things that you don't very often tell people that you could say this time that might move them to reach out and be helpful and to take an active role and, and become part of this community that's going to help solve this problem? Oh, Rob, that's a tricky one. Something you haven't heard before from me? I'm not sure. Um, I think I'm just going to play off Nicole's theme because I think it's about listening. It's about reaching out. It's about not being afraid to have conversations. Um, and as Nicole said, you don't have to have all the answers, but that sense of if someone said that to you, uh, you know, that they've been experiencing violence. I think that non-judgmental piece is critically important. And Nicole just highlighted that. And I couldn't agree more because there's a ton of shame and blame still around this. And we need to move past that. We need to move past it for our kids. Uh, I think prevention is critically important. As you know, Rob, we've talked about that before. We need to get upstream. We're catching everything downstream. And I can't emphasize that enough either. And I love Nicole's, Nicole's thoughts around sort of role modeling. I'm with you. I completely agree, right? Both men and women play a role in that. Men need to be good men and trusting men and men who are kind and compassionate and caring. Uh, and, and women need to role model what that is to have a healthy relationship as well. Uh, so I think all of those things, all those things that Nicola has touched on, I just want to amplify for sure. Thank you so much for talking to me today. And, and especially Nicole, I, I know that's not easy to tell these stories and I'm so grateful that you took the time to today to tell us. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Rob. That was Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Center, and Nicole Thompson, a Coburg resident who has faced abuse. I want to thank both my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you know of a good story or have an idea for a story, please let me know. You can email me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com and include as much detail as possible, especially contact information. If you have any comments, questions, rants, or raves, you can also email me at that same address. Or you can go to my Facebook page, Consider This. Or if you're on Twitter, you can message me at rwash. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. 
I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.